0: Assalamu alaikum. I'm very pleased to have with us Brother Kai Whiting from Productive Muslim Academy today. Um, he's a director in the academy and really honored to have you with us, Kai. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you very much, Brother Fahad. I really enjoyed your Discovering Your Vision 2.0. I literally did it in like a binge, seven hours straight, and I got some really good notes out of it. So I'm really pleased that we can talk a little bit about your course today. A little bit about reading, because if you've ever seen that course, there's so many books behind him, and a little bit about productivity, because being uh, the director of Productive Muslim Academy, if I don't talk about productivity, that would just be strange. So, yeah, uh, I wanted to start off. Some of those books that you had behind you, what is, you had about, I don't know, 100. Um, tell me, obviously, apart from the Quran, what is your favorite book and
0: why? So, um, you know, before we get into that, like, um I want to give you like a background on how much I hated reading, you know, up until I was 22 years old, really. I mean, I remember back in school, I used to, you know, we used to, part of English class was to bring a book with you and we used to spend 15 minutes reading every, every like class in the beginning. And I would, I would cheat for like four or five years. I would get the same book over and over again. I still remember the book. It was called Matilda. By, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and I never finished that book. It was always with me in every class, and I would pretend I would read, but I used to hate reading. Up until I was, uh, I think, yeah, in college, so I was about 22 years old. That's where you know, I realized that I was living a meaningless life, a life of no vision. And, you know, I used to be very competitive. I used to be like always wanted to be number one in tennis. And so, alhamdulillah, I did actually become number one in Bahrain as a tennis player. Um, You know, I want to be number one in in school, number one with my friends, number one when it came to everything, right? But here was this one thing where I was zero in, and that is living a meaningful life. I had no direction in life. I had no purpose. And that's where I realized that I, I was missing so much information. There was... So much out there to learn, whether it's uh, religion-based, whether it's life-based, whether it's, you know, productivity-based, about visions. And, you know, I, deep down inside, I knew that reading is an extremely important part of our life. And, you know, it's no coincidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God, like he re- the first word and the first command to be revealed to us was literally read, you know, اقرأ. And so he could have started off by saying, you know, pray or speak to your parents or, I don't know, fall down in sajda or something. But he decided to choose the command of read for us. And, you know, ever since then, alhamdulillah, you know, like I have, I've had this passion for reading and this like energy and... Um, curiosity to learn and to seek to improve myself in every aspect of my life. And so, you know, when it comes to reading, you know, by far, my favorite book of all is the Qur'an. Um, You know, many people say that casually, but Alhamdulillah, you know, over the past, you know, 15 years or so, you know, being a student of the Qur'an, this book is like unlike any other book. Um, You know, number one, being... The reason being that, you know, the author is God himself, right? It's a book, unlike any other book, that you never get bored of. Uh, You can't say, I read it once and khalas, I know the story. No, it's something that you go back over and over again. I truly feel like it it interacts with me. And it's a living book. It it talks to you, depending on what situation you're going through, uh, what kind of help you need, what kind of guidance you need. And, And God literally talks to you through the Quran. So by far, to answer your question, the Quran is my you know all time favorite book um, but besides that you know i'm a big fan of self improvement self development what does it mean by self
1: improvement
0: right so self improvement right um, i first came across this concept when a friend of mine uh, told me that there's this nlp course happening in bahrain right neuro linguistic programming and i had no clue what that meant and uh, you know it was an expensive course it was like you know, close to a $1,000, right, over over like a weekend. So I had to literally, um, you know, give up my weekend and, and pay up this big amount of cash. Uh, but apparently I, I heard like from my friend that, you know, apparently it, it helps you become more optimistic and positive and it helps you with communication skills. It helps you convince people. And I was very much into... Uh, dawah, right? And you know, into like preaching Islam and helping people understand Islam and inviting people to Islam and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to to learn these skills so it could help me with my, um, you know, presentation skills and my communication skills. And when I went there, alhamdulillah, this was like a, a whole new uh, journey for me because I had no clue what self improvement was until I, uh, you know, attended this course. And so through neuro-linguistic programming, really, like, it opened up my uh, mind to positivity, to this idea of limiting beliefs. And, you know, it made me realize that there's so much to learn. And, you know, our life is, uh, you know, very, very, uh, you can call it complicated when it comes to managing different roles, right? You have the role of uh, your spirituality, you have the role of your family, you have the role of your health, you have the role of your friends and society and your community service and your work and... All of these different things. And, and in every single aspect of your life, self-improvement basically means that you try to do better, right? And you try to improve. And the more you improve, that you try to improve your time management. You try to improve your character. You try to improve your relationships. You try to improve your emotional state so that you're happier and you're more at peace and content. And so... Um, You know, connecting this to the Qur'an also, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls on us to be people who constantly do what's known as salihat, right? Allah Allah combines iman and amal salih, belief or faith, and righteous deeds, which is of course a poor translation. Salihat literally means deeds that are constantly improving, deeds that are fixing problems, deeds that are, you know, um, doing good Basically, for yourself before you do for others. And so this Amal Salih is actually, uh, at the core of it, is self-improvement. Because, you know, God tells us in the Quran that you you cannot change people until you change yourself. And that change really happens with self-development. So that's where, you know, I really got hooked on to... Uh, reading about self-development in the Muslim world as well as uh, abroad, right? There are many Western people like you know Tony Robbins and Stephen Covey and uh, Jim Rohn and others who uh, you know have done g- great work. And there's a lot of great content on self-improvement. People like Wayne Dyer, also uh, one of my favorites. And then on the on the, in the Arab world, there's people like Dr. Salah Rashid from Kuwait, there is Dr. Ahmed Amara from Egypt, um, among others who are you know. Doing great to connect self improvement with with religion, and so I felt that wow, you know, uh, the more I studied and the more I read this stuff, it made me more happier. Mm-hmm. It made me a better person. It even helped me with my promotions at the at my at my job. Helped me with my health. It helped me with my intellectual growth and my spirituality. Right, even getting closer to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So on. literally every aspect of your life with self improvement, like you constantly are improving day by day and you can't settle you can't say I'm perfect now I don't need to improve more." no <laughs> this is an ongoing journey that stops literally the, uh, the moment you die
1: yeah. so if you had to say like one book that was not the Quran what would you tell people to start off these self development books
0: great question so if there was one book that we could uh, highlight it would uh, Probably be The Power of Now. You know, The Power of Now was a very powerful book for me, honestly. Uh, Why Eck- me. Eckhart Tolle, yeah, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, great book that, you know, taught me about the, this uh, idea of presence and he talked about ego and it goes really deep into it. I've read these other books like A New Earth and uh, Stillness Speaks and others, but honestly, like, you know, him as an author, I, I really love because, you know, he brings the spiritual dimension, which is really my core focus as well. So self-improvement is a very wide topic or um, area of study. But I usually try to, you know, make it centralized through spirituality. And, and I think ego, the way he talks about it, right, um, was a very, very different perspective that even helped me understand the Quran more. So, like, when I read, uh, you know, because many... Uh, Muslims think that you know what oh, staghfirullah, I shouldn't read spiritual books from Western people there could be a lot of issues a lot of you know uh, deviant uh, you know mindset and deviant uh, belief systems be careful brother you know that's poisonous but I completely disagree because you know um, Wallahi my relationship with the Quran and my understanding of the Quran became even more clearer when I read all these books, right? So, uh, I, f- I find no hesitation at all to read from people like him, uh, because at the end of the day, you know, our fitrah, our human nature is the same. Right? Allah created us all the same, and everyone has a pursuit to God. Every everyone has a pursuit to happiness. We have we all have different ways. I'm not saying everything he said in the book is amazing, and I took it all. No, of course. You know, Alhamdulillah, I'm able to distinguish right from wrong, right, to, to whatever capacity Allah has given me. And so, you know, you take what's good and leave what's bad, and you give credit and, you know, you overlook shortcomings. No one's perfect. I'm not claiming he's a prophet. I'm not a prophet. You're not a prophet. Prophets don't exist today. But we can all make an effort to improve. And if there's someone who, you know, uh, Allah blessed with some wisdom or some clarity, then why not benefit from that? So yeah, that book would definitely be on the on the, the top of the list. But it's a tough question, honestly.
1: Oh, its is, it is a tough question, but I would definitely say the power of now is, is, is brilliant for the look of ego. I see ego as where sin starts. If you have no ego, in my opinion, you do not sin. The minute that you start to think that you're my important that you're not gets in the way. So then that means ego and then ego is an extension of yourself. And that's where sin gets in. So if you can reduce or yeah. remove parts of your ego, then you are effectively removing parts of your sin. So I think with reading, sometimes with the self-revelling books, uh, brothers and sisters in Islam have told me, yeah, but it's not the Quran. No, it's it's not the Quran, but it's such, the Quran is so beautiful that sometimes we, we don't see what our is trying to show us. And we need some, not a simplified version, just an uh, alternative look so that we can go back to the Quran and then say, yeah, Allah, you've been trying to tell me this for 25 years and I didn't get it. So yeah. I always look through, you know, those kind of books from the lens of this man. So it does this snapshot of what he's providing, what Eckhart for example, is providing me. Does that work with Allah? And Allah is well, not going to lead you down the wrong path. You're sincere in your intentions. Do you believe Allah is going to let you be lied to? No. The minute that you are sincere and that you are focused on Allah instead of your ego, God is never gonna allow you to go down the wrong path. He's gonna clearly say, This is not Islamic, ignore this part. That's what I have experienced when I've come close to Allah and really asked him earnestly, what should I be learning from what I'm reading? So I want to ask you as you I would say the expert in vision, why what is what is the connection between reading and vision? Is it possible to have vision if you don't read?
0: Great question. So um you're yeah, right i am obsessed with vision uh it really saddens me when i hear when i ask someone you know what do you want to be in the next 10 15 20 years What's what's your purpose of life what's your vision in life what's your mission in life and the, the person goes blank you no know, it's it's a really sad reality that majority of people today don't have visions they have no idea why they were created why uh, you know they live on this earth um, what they were created to do and You know, what's the purpose of life? And so that's what vision answers. It gives you clarity about, you know, what you were created for. I truly believe that every single one of us, Kai, we were all created with different passions, with different value systems, and uh, different gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our our goal in life is to really live a meaningful life, to do benefit, to do good, to be value-driven, to make a difference in this world in whatever capacity we can. And um, that that would be your path to Jannah, that would be your path to paradise. So it basically gives you fulfillment in this world, which is the success of dunya, as well as fulfillment in the next world. So it becomes like a win-win situation. Unfortunately, you know, um, uh, many people today, because they don't have visions, they're literally living uh, like animals, you know, with all due respect. But animals, were, you know, they eat, they drink, they sleep, they reproduce, uh, they poop and they die, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, many human beings today are living that life. They're living for the next paycheck. They're living to, you know, get married, to have kids, to send their kids to college. They're living to study. They're living to go to the bathroom and to sleep. And and that's it. You know, where is the meaning? So, you know, you have people who are living ordinary lives and there's people who are living meaningful lives. And, you know, being uh, a a true human being to fulfill you your uh humanity. You know, you gotta do something meaningful. And you know, we're seeing examples of this over and over again in the Western world today, where most of the technologies are coming up. Look at Facebook, look at how much benefit they're doing to the world, right? They're connecting people together. Look at Google. Benefit. They're value driven. They're helping people access information at their fingertips in a split second. Look at Wikipedia. Look at the the Khan Academy. Look at projects like I don't know, Apple, right? Innovation, creativity, value. This is what we were created for. We were created to, you know, make people's lives easier. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, in the Muslim world, this is something that uh, we have kind of neglected, honestly. Our priorities have become messed up. Uh, We have given more priority to our prayers and our, our, our Qur'an memorization and our Qur'an tajweed. With all due respect to all of these, these are all important things, but they're not the objective these are all the means these ibadat these forms and rituals these are just the means to a higher goal you know through these ibadat we're supposed to be more productive in our life we're supposed to be people who you know are more value driven we are people who have energy salah is supposed to energize you to become more productive right it's supposed to Give you that boost to do something meaningful and to drive you to live a meaningful life and make a difference in your life and the life of others. And so, um, coming back to connecting vision to reading, you know, my theory is that all of the problems of humanity are caused by two problems one is lack of information, and the other is misinformation. So, to rephrase that, missing information and misinformation. I'll give you an example of this, right? Uh, so, for example, when it comes to um, driving, right? You don't just, if you, you know, let's say you're 15-year-old and you feel like driving, you don't just take your mom's uh, car keys and start driving. No, you take, a, you know, a, a, you wait for the right timing when you are able to drive legally. You take a course, which is basically the reading part, because, you know, for me, I think reading is not just about books. Mm-hmm. When Allah commanded us to read, He, didn't, he wasn't talking about books, because, you know, uh, Prophet Muhammad was in a cave. Number one, he didn't have a book with him. Number two, he did not read. So read actually is a command from Allah to, you know, uh, for us to have that willingness to learn, that curiosity to, uh, you know, gain knowledge, that curiosity to ask questions, to seek clarity, to explore. And so, you know, I truly believe that, you know, by... Um, so going back to the driver's example, right? The driver... He, if he wants to learn how to drive, he has to go to take a course, take the theory, theoretical part, go and do a practical test with his, uh, you know, or practical lessons with his driver's instructor. And then when he's ready, he goes on the road. Why, Why does he have to go through that process? To avoid harm to himself and others, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So same thing applies to every, every other aspect of our life. Uh, most, I'll give you an example of parents, right? Why do most parents suffer from parenting? And they go through all sorts of misery and pain and suffering and difficulty in upbringing children. Why? Honestly, because of misinformation and missing information about parenting. And there's thousands of books out there about parenting. Mm-hmm. But ask, ask a Muslim parent today, you know, uh, did you read a book about parenting? They're like, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy changing diapers, too busy, you know, feeding them milk. And, uh, so, again, uh, our priorities are messed up. I don't we think don't think reading do
1: have time as well. say I don't have time, and if you actually if you actually read, you wouldn't have the same mistake over and over. You'd actually have more time to do what you got, right?
0: Absolutely, right. So you know, just like uh, my dear friend Aman Ali Khan once told me is that you know sometimes you have to take three steps back to go thirty steps ahead, right? It's beautiful, right? Amen. So so you take some time off, read, but look like for, for example, parenting. You you know take some time out of your day every day, read a few pages, finish the book in a, a week or a month or whatever your pace is. But then the amount of knowledge you've gained from that expert who wrote on parenting, who studied parenting for 15, 20 years, he studied different parents and he tells you in 250 pages, he tells you what you need to do, what you not, don't need to do to be a successful parent. Okay? You apply those, you're going to save 10, 15, 20 years of misery I mean, that's a a good deal. And how much do books cost nowadays, right? I mean, uh, nothing, right? It's peanuts for priceless knowledge. And so uh, you can apply that same theory to uh, marriage, right? So many people get into marriage without reading about marriage, without reading about that opposite gender and what are your rights, what are their rights, how do women think, how do men think, what's the psychology of marriage, how to be happy, how to choose a spouse. You know, these are all things that you can learn today. And alhamdulillah, we live in the age of like, inform- this is the age of information, right? Everything's available. You can even get free information today in the form of YouTube videos and courses online. And people are sharing so much amazing content. And, you know, the floor is really open. We have no excuses. So same thing applies to financial uh, problems. Why are most people in financial difficulties? Because they have missing information about money management or they have misinformation. They have wrong information. That's usually, and misinformation usually passed down through your friends, your parents, your culture, maybe something you saw in a movie, maybe something that, you know, you heard, uh, I don't know if your friends talk about. So, you know, there's this constant misinformation and missing information that's basically, you know, trapping us into our problems and the only way out is to read. The only way out is to be and, you know, again, reading is about productivity, right? You want to be productive, you got to set time to read. And you want to be productive, you got to read about productivity. You want to be healthy, you got to be read, reading about your health. you got to be reading about what's healthy and what's not healthy. How to work out. What, you got to go see a nutrition. That's part of reading.
1: I think um, I, I got hit by a truck, really, when I was, it felt like it anyway, when I was watching your course. Mm-hmm. It was profound, and it shook me so much, I have to say, here when had asked, where well, it felt like he asked me, do you want, you know, if you want to have a heart attack, do you know how you have a heart attack? You find the biggest person you know, the most unhealthy person, and you ask them, how did you have a heart attack? You get them to tell you, and then you repeat the steps, and that really, really hit me. He was talking about systems in the foreign system. If you wanted to get to Dubai, and you needed to get there, you don't have someone who knew the way. So reading really um, cuts that journey, into say 20 20 years into 10 days of reading. Could you just talk to me a little bit more about that part of the course because I'm still being affected, like 10 days later by the impact of your words there. Could you explain what I'm talking about when I'm saying about the man who has a heart attack or the uncle who
0: wants to get to Dubai? Right, so yeah, there's this, like we said, misinformation about the idea of goal setting and vision and being productive and all of these things. Many people, you know, they're they're chilling they're relaxed, and they're like, you know, Brother Fahad, all is well. We don't need to plan. We don't have to have a vision. Just live by the day, and inshallah, everything will be okay. You've heard that, right, before? Yes. That's a very dangerous way of thinking because, you know, like we said in that example, right? I want you to, uh, you know, uh, we gave the example of you driving a car all the way to Dubai, you don't have GPS, you don't have, you know, uh, any any sort of guide, right? Uh, No map, nothing. What's the best way to get there is to ask your uncle, who's already driven to Dubai once or twice or maybe several times, and ask him for directions. And if you follow his directions exactly, then you're most probably going to get there, right? You're going to get there because you're following the directions. And if you don't follow the directions, you won't get there. It's very simple. Same thing applies to, like we said, the example of the heart attack, right? You want, there is, so all is not well when it comes to your health. That's what we're saying. Because, you know, there is a path today that if you chose to take will lead to heart attack. And the example we give is, you know, what's the easiest way to have a heart attack? I know it sounds crazy, but simply ask someone who's already been there. Just like the Dubai example, ask your uncle who's had a heart attack, what are the steps to have a heart attack? He's going to tell you, you got to have a lot of cheeseburgers, a lot of coke, you've got to be smoking. Don't ever go to the gym. Be like a couch potato, watch a lot of TV and eat a lot of fried stuff, uh, have a lot of sugar. And, you know, if, and if you take down those notes and you follow his guide, his guidance step by step, chances are you will most probably end up with a heart attack. And, you know, No one can disagree to that, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is an understanding of qadr, right? Which, again, is a lot of misinformation about qadr and destiny and fate. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the correct understanding of qadr is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a qadr for health, a path for health, and a qadr for um, disease and problems and, you know, lack of health, you can call it. So two opposite uh, paths. Each one has a path. And if you follow this path, and if you do whatever will lead you to that path, you will get that result. You will get the result of a healthy and happy lifestyle. If you follow the path of your uncle who got a heart attack, you will end up with a heart attack. And when you do end up with a heart attack, don't blame Qadr. Don't blame Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's honestly like disrespect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the biggest gifts he gave us is the ability to choose our paths. Absolutely. Unless
1: Unless people, yeah, mean, know. Allah, Allah, you made me big. Allah, you, you didn't help me and I had a heart attack. I was praying, and you made me, I felt sick, and yeah, we, we always seem to throw everything on Allah, and Allah said, "But I showed you. I, I I gave you books. I gave you a library because you couldn't afford the books, and in that library was a book about how to eat healthy, and how to go on the right path to to good health or you know, good financial management or even good marital relations with your wife or your husband. A lot of people say I got divorced. And it's the same as the heart attack. If I want to get divorced like tomorrow, then I would do everything in my power to get divorced. I asked someone, what do you do to get divorced? And I would make sure that every single thing that they did in one day. And in twenty four hours, believe it or not, I would my my marriage that is currently working would be on the rocks. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that people although we're using crazy examples that people have that's crazy but that's really true. Uh, Why do you think that people find it so difficult to to go on the the good path, the right path, even if they know they seem to know the way or they know what you know what kind of direction would get them there? Why do you think people struggle so much?
0: Right so you know um, lately like my my views on this have uh, you know I've gotten alhamdulillah some clarity on this right so this is my theory about life right Allah very simply uh, has sent us prophets and books and guidance to make us live a successful, happy life in this world and in the next, right? It's a win-win situation. What is Shaitan's objective? Is to do the exact opposite. Right? Shaitan wants you to live a life of hell in dunya, hell in akhirah. So success in dunya means you know happiness, inner peace, success in all aspects of your life, health, wealth, marital relations, love, relationships, and all of that. What's the hellfire of dunya? Yes, it's pain, it's suffering. Depression, anger, marriage problems, financial problems, you know, uh, emotional problems, psychological problems. And that's why the phar- pharmaceutical companies are making billions of dollars today. right? Because people are, people are <laughs> basically a of dunya, right? And so, you know, wallahi, if everyone uh, you know, was on the surat al-mustaqeem, the path of values, and, and listen to this carefully, surat al-mustaqeem is not just a straight path if you look at the language mustaqim actually comes from the you know one of the its meanings is the the, the path that makes you upright because of values the word qiyam is in, is embedded in mustaqim which literally means values so we allah subhanahu wants us to be people of values now lately i've you know i used to always ask myself this question uh, you know many, many people talk about values but where are values in the quran guess what it's right there in surah al-fatiha a surah that we're reciting 17 times. <laughs> and it's right there. In the, it's like the core dua you're making. So if you were to summarize fatah, it would be Ihdina al Mustaqim," And values is right there. It's the description of that path. The path of values that makes you upright. Okay, uh, So in upright comes productivity, uh, comes vision. Because remember, surat is, again, you're on that path that's obviously leading to some goal, right? You have a direction. You have a purpose. And Mustaqeem means values. Now, another profound way to look at this is the beautiful names and attributes of Allah subhanahu ta'ala so allah is merciful he's you know a compassionate he's giving he is uh, forgiving these are all actually values that we need to be living by so another way to look at this is you want to be happy and content and successful in this life be like allah subhanahu ta'ala try to live by his names and attributes and the more you live by his names and attributes the more happier you'll be. And guess what? People will think about you. People will start loving you, right? Because you're literally like, Astaghfirullah, you know, but, um, you know, like a mini-god, right? You're you're actually like this loving creature of Allah (laughs) subhanahu wa ta'ala that's so caring, so compassionate, so helpful, so forgiving, so kind. And, you know, everyone loves a person like that, right? And so the more you are like Allah (laughs) subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more you have of His qualities, the more you know, you will be happy the more comfort and success Allah will send your way. So, you know, the big mistake people do is they run after money. They run after the job. They run after fame. They run after, uh, you know, uh, satisfying themselves, uh, desires, temptations. And that's the game of shaitan. That's the game of Iblis uh, right from the beginning, right? He distracted Adam, alayhi and Hawa by selling them you know, this idea of uh, eternal uh, life, right, khulud and king- and kingdom that would never uh, perish away. And so through distractions, we have basically lost the life of values. We have been living the life of ego. That's why coming back to the concept of ego, edging God out, like Wayne Dyer puts it, right? Where you, you literally are worshipping your own hawa, your own empty desires. It becomes all about you, my job, my health. My career, my wife, my, my honor, my self-respect, how, how dare you talk to me like that? Why does she do this to me, right? And so, so it all becomes about you, and that's actually, you are many shaitan now, all of a sudden, right? Whereas Allah's messages, Allah needs to be the center of your life, and you need to be living with values. When you think like that, right, when you have that mindset, guess what? you have instant satisfaction, right? You're not results-oriented, because that's, again, uh, uh trick, right? He tells you, you know what? You'll be happy when you get married. You'll be happy when you become a millionaire. He delays your happiness, right? You'll be happy when you lose weight. And so you're never happy now. You will and wait for her happiness. Exactly, and then, um, guess what? Even when you achieve it, you might have a little bit of happiness, but then you go back to your suffering and pain. Whereas Allah, out of his infinite blessings, You know, through Surat Al-Mustaqim, he's telling us, and he even taught us, don't ask for results in your dua, ask to get on the path. It's about the journey. It's not about the destination. It's about enjoying the journey, being happy, being successful. And by the way, you're not running after success. You're basically value-driven at your own pace, doing whatever you can in whatever means you have, being productive, being vision-oriented. And Allah, wallahi Kai, Allah, will make your life full of comfort, ease, happiness, and success in every aspect of your life. And wallahi, you will be living in paradise on earth before akhirah, inshallah. So, in dunya, before akhirah. And wallahi, you know, some scholars even said this, that there is a jannah in dunya. Whoever doesn't taste it, will not taste the jannah of akhirah. Because... You know, what's the point of saying, you know what, I'm going to suffer in this world. I'm going to live a poor life. I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to be suffering financially, uh, spiritually, emotionally, and all of that. And inshallah, in Jannah, I will be happy and I have hur al-ain and success. We missed the point. Guidance was for this world and the next world, right? And so it's supposed to, even the dua, right? Rabbana atina fil dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. So why are we, you know, uh, just. Def- being self-defeating and, and giving up on life. Why don't we have big goals, big ambitions? Why aren't we productive? Why aren't we looking forward to waking up, sleeping less, doing more, and you know, reading more, improving ourselves, improving our families, improving and if, you know you know Allah subhanahu says in the Quran, Ya Yuladina Amin, O oh, you who believe, anfusakum wa ahlikum na. that's priorities. Save yourself first and then your family. So it's all about self-improvement. It's about improving your family in every aspect of his life. And if every home did this, our communities would change. Our societies would change. Our countries would change. And this world would be a better place when everybody thinks about value and benefit for others.
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, I just have to share that being a reader, A lot of people ask me, he did what? <laughs> he became a Muslim. But what do Muslims contribute? That's the question. What do you guys do like, to help the world? And that is such a sad question that I think we have the most Beautiful religion. We have the Quran in our hand. We have a Quran in our phones these days. And people who are not Muslim are asking us, but why, you know, why would you become a Muslim? Why would you want to turn into, into that? And that's because of what we've allowed our our own Islam to become. I'm not talking about a political Islam, I'm talking about our own one. If we don't read, if we don't improve, if we don't strive, then people look at us and say, Well, he, you know, all he does all day is pray. So if all I do all day is pray, and people are suffering around me, then they'll say he's a terrible person. They won't even say he's a terrible Muslim. They'll say he's a terrible person or she's a terrible person. Yes, we have our obligations to do our five prayers because from that, from that strength that Allah provides us, particularly Ramadan, we go out and we change the world. You remember now when people then see all this positive news about us. Well, there's a correlation of effort with vision that makes us more productive, which then changes the world around us. There's so many people that become Muslim in Ramadan. A lot of readers tell me I became Muslim in Ramadan because uh, I was watching these people and they were helping me, helping me in my community. I did the first day I become, became Muslim, they tell me, I did. I was fasting. That was the first day that they came became Muslim about like halfway around Ramadan and then fasting for the rest of the two weeks. And a lot of people tell me that, and they always say the same thing. It's because there was a community endeavor, because they reached out to me, because they asked me if I wanted free food. I mean, these are like young people. They, they were talking to me about why they were doing things. None of them have ever told me it's because I knew they were praying five times a day in the mosque. No, one person that I know, that has, like me growing into Islam, has said to me, oh, it's because of the fact that I know people pray five times a day. All of them have told me it's because of the community effort. In my case, I became Muslim because I heard the adhan, And I tried to go to the mosque and they told me, you, couldn't, you can't go to the mosque because you're not Muslim. And it was only because when I came back, I was in the United Arab Emirates, I came back to the UK and people were showing me with kindness how to pray that I then took what I had from the adhan and made it into my life. If all we ever do is sit in the mosque, then we will never ever grow as people and as the Ummah. And that would be a terrible shame. So I just want to ask brother, the difference between like someone who just prays and says, that's being productive. And someone who prays and then has a vision and is subsequently productive. What is the kind of traits that you, would, you could differentiate those two people? Because a lot of people tell me, but I pray, I do my fasting, that's productivity. I'm not called as a Muslim to you know, change the world. I'm not called as a Muslim to belong to the world. So could you just sort of differentiate between those two sets of Muslims? A Muslim, the Muslim who, does, who has his prayers or her prayers and too fast. Does all her religious duties, but doesn't do any worldly duties shall we say and someone who says yes i do pray but that's because i really want to help the world or i really want to be productive could you tell me what th- those two would look like
0: right so um you know allah Subhata, whenever he talks about prayer he he calls it الصلاة, establish your prayer he doesn't just say pray and so you know we need to we've unfortunately lost meaning in our prayers we've, been, we've become what we call robots it's a mechanical prayer where we're just reciting certain things not knowing what you're saying Certain actions—it's just about numbers. It's about that mechanical cardiovascular exercise, and we get basically uh, done in a couple of minutes. Not knowing which surah we read, no spiritual connection, completely empty from the inside. And then we say salam alaykum, Rasulullah," "Salamu alaykum, and guess what? It's gonna have no impact on you. What Salah is supposed to do is actually—it's—it's it's like that fuel. You know, if you think about uh, mobile phone chargers, right? Um, Companies didn't create mobile phones or didn't manufacture phones to be charged. Allah didn't create us to pray. Allah gave us the prayer as a means to charge so that we can get off our butts and start doing something productive and something meaningful with our lives after salah and between salahs. And so just like the phone example, right? The charging mechanism is there for the phone to keep working. Mm -hmm. But what what have we done? We messed up. The means and objectives. We've made Salah the objective, not the means to a higher goal. We've been satisfied with just charging the phone. We're happy. We're celebrating. Hey, look at my phone. It's charging. Yay. You know, we're not using the phone to make calls. We're not using the phone to benefit from it, right? So we're missing that point. And, you know, just talking about this idea of uh, the Prophet, whenever it was time for prayer, he would tell Bilal, who was the Mu'addin of the Prophet, biha ya Bilal. Oh, Bilal, comfort us with it. Which means what? Between salahs, they were busy doing stuff. They were productive, man. And when it was time to pray, this was their time of relaxation. This was their time to switch off and you know, meditate since meditation and mindfulness is also very popular nowadays, that was a time for them to switch off and focus on only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and cleanse and purify themselves so they could, after salam, get back to work, get back to being productive, get back to doing something meaningful. And so, you know, if uh, we're just happy with our prayers and, you know, we're just praying without really understanding why we're praying. Allah says in the Quran, Inna tanha anil fahshai wal munkari wal baghi. Salah is supposed to What's the outcome of salah? It's supposed to prevent you from fahsha, from shamelessness, from sin, from all sorts of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those are the outcomes of salah. Those are the, the fruits of salah, the, especially established salah. Right? So if you're praying, but it's not changing anything in your character, it's not purifying your heart, it's not purifying your mind, it's not making you a better person, then we're missing the point. And you know, to put it very uh, in another way, you know, Surah Al-Ma'un, a Mecki surah, there were no hypocrites in Mecca, remember. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about people who lie against this deen. Allah's questioning: have you seen the one who is lying against this deen? And Allah says, This is the one who's pushing the yateen aggressively. He doesn't even encourage feeding the poor. Now Allah says, The most terrible and you know awful punishment is for those who pray. But then what? Aladhinahum an salatim Sahun. Those who are praying, but they have no idea why they're praying. It's very serious language. And then Allah says, Hum yuraun. Those who pray just for show. Those who pray for just external factors, right? Yuraun. They're just obsessed with the external image. I prayed. Alhamdulillah. Hum yuraun wa yamnaun Those who pray externally, but they don't even have that sense that of good character to even do the smallest thing of helping someone with the, you know, the smallest favor. Maun means doing even the smallest favors for someone, right? Small kindness, small act of kindness. So Allah, in this beautiful surah, in Surah al maun he highlights that someone who's praying but doesn't know the objective of prayer and, and the prayer is not making him someone who loves to give, loves to help, loves to care about others, to make you more merciful, more kind, more loving. If salah is not doing this to you, then you are lying against this deen. Literally, you know, and and Allah says فويل المصلين. He says wail about really serious things in Quran. So those who back by, those who spread false rumors. He says wail al Those who cheat in business and those who cheat in their work. And so wail is a pretty serious word. And if if that's associated with associated with prayers, we need to take pray, our prayers really seriously.
1: Wow. I've never thought about it as the charger, but I think I seem, I'm, I'm going to borrow that well, for a long, long time now about we we do just think about charging ourselves with prayer. We don't think about our functions. So my last question of this uh, podcast would be the following. Apart from joining the Productive Muslim Academy, what else could we do to be more productive, but visionally productive? Because productivity without vision is pointless. So, yeah, apart from joining the Academy, what else could you do to be productive, but with vision? What three tips could you provide our listeners? Sean.
0: Okay, so, you know, I think vision and productivity are very complementary because, um, you know, there's no point in being productive if you um, don't have a vision, right? You're just going to be running around. So you want to be productive and at the same time to make your productivity uh, efficient and uh, to its maximum use, you got to have focus on the vision, right? So it's very important to be focused on your vision, have clarity and say, so- This way, your productivity will be worthwhile. Otherwise, you'll be doing many things but not achieving anything, okay? So that's one thing that's just to to clarify vision and productivity. Now, productivity is a big theme in the Quran. That's the concept of jihad, which many people have hijacked to mean, you know, uh, terrorism and fundamentalism and extremism. Actually, jihad literally means effort, right? And that's what productivity is, is putting effort, putting yourself to use, being someone who is, you know, Always constantly doing something you' you 're not just sitting there doing nothing lazy, right opposite of productivity is laziness, right and so you know a muslim can 't be lazy a muslim can 't be bored this, this, uh, this definition of boredom should should be out of your dictionary, right because um, yes. you know uh, like my teacher said that you know um, sadness is rejection or yeah resistance of the past. Fear is resistance of the future, and boredom is the resistance of the present. And and depression is the resistance of all three, which basically causes people to commit suicide, right? Because they're not accepting uh, the past, nor the future, nor the present. And so we can't be bored. We can't be resisting. Now is all you have. right? Now is all you have. And you know many people, they think maybe productivity is, is maybe a hard... Uh, they don't want to be too hardworking. They find it stressful to be productive. It's completely not stressful, right? Being productive doesn't mean you're burdening yourself with so many things and you're always busy. No, absolutely not. You could be productive by having good sleep. right? Absolutely. You could be productive by going and getting a massage, right? <laughs> the halal way, hopefully, right? You could be productive by um, you know, spending time with your family at the park. That's also being productive. You could be productive by, you know, um, going out on a romantic dinner with your wife. This is all part of productivity. So productivity is uh, don't feel stressed out about it, right? And, and and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the difference. Allah said in the Quran, al Yus, Allah wants ease for you. He doesn't want difficulty for you. يُرِيدُ and you Allah wants to lighten your burdens. And so, you know, don't think of productivity as something that's going to get you constantly like busy with things, and you're going to be stressed out, and you no, know, you're no energy. And a- absolutely the contrary, right? Productivity means you are constantly doing something meaningful. You're enjoying it. You ha- you're balanced, and you're fulfilling your obligations and rights towards Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, towards yourself, and towards others. So that's that's really the concept of jihad in Islam, right? This idea of Putting an effort. You can't be a lazy bum. You can't be making dua and saying, Allah, I want a house, I want a car, I want a promotion, I want to be happy. No. Where's the action? And That's the amal salih. So I think amal salih and jihad, those two really bring productivity into the picture from a Quranic perspective and vision completes the whole picture where you are driving towards a meaningful life and enjoying every uh, moment of that journey.
1: Wow, I I've learned so many things, and I read a book at least a week. And these guy's give me so much, so many things to work on. And I cannot thank you enough for inviting me on this on this podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for you, Kai, for joining us. And you know, it's it's always a pleasure to be collaborating with um, the Productive Muslim Academy. Because at the end of the day, you know, we have. Uh, similar visions, right? We are there to, you know, benefit the ummah and to uh, help people, you know, live productive, meaningful lives. So that we can, inshallah, you know, uh, earn our paradise in dunya as well as akhirah. So thank you for joining us, and we look forward to, you know, having future collaborations with the Productive Muslim Academy. Thank you so much, Kai. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.